we we are now in a position where we are forced to have to look at, okay, what are the causes of that turnover and how can we really help start solving those problems? Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you want to leverage deep healthcare industry expertise to develop effective marketing strategies, optimize administrative operations, improve patient or user engagement, and or do a little bit of business development and strategic planning for your healthcare organization, then check out what we do at Rehab U Practice Solutions and see if it makes sense for us to work together. You can learn more at consulting.rehabupracticesolutions.com. That's consulting.rehab, the letter U, practicesolutions.com. Alrighty, this week, we are diving into the world of uh, healthcare worker and team management insofar as reducing turnover and the like, primarily when it comes to things like scheduling. My guest this week is Courtney Dill. She is a healthcare scheduling advocate, but her main role is solution executive uh, for the scheduling and capacity management uh, department or division of HealthStream. So we talk a lot on this episode about leveraging technology and software, scheduling software and workforce management solutions to decrease burnout and turnover. Primarily, she's going to tackle this from the from the nursing standpoint, because that's where the majority of her clinical expertise lies. But this is one of those things that is widely applicable across the healthcare industry. It is no secret that healthcare as a whole has been bleeding people in uh, you know across the the sector right whether you're doctors hitting burnout and retiring early or nurses leaving the profession altogether i'm from the allied health space and there's been a big movement in the physical occupational therapy world of getting into quote unquote non-clinical jobs and getting out of the workforce on the patient care side altogether and moving into things like healthcare technology or you know utilization review or something like that and while those positions are necessary and they're providing value if all of the clinicians decide that they don't want to do clinical work anymore, then that leaves no one to do the clinical work that needs to be done, right? So so Courtney and I talk a little bit about, specifically about HealthStream and about how their um, solution called Shift Wizard helps to alleviate and distribute that um, the workload, specifically in nursing, and how they're leveraging technology and algorithmic learning and the like to enable both provider organizations, the leadership of those organizations, but then the boots on the ground clinicians that are affected by schedules and the scheduling to have more of a, uh, both a transparent, but then give the the end user or the, the boots on the ground clinician more of a controlling interest in their ability to, to manage their schedule, to set their schedule, 
to create some of that work-life balance that we keep hearing a lot about being so important to prevent burnout and turnover. So um, we talk a lot about that. In particular, in the nursing world, she shares some statistics about um, the, the number of clinicians that have left the workforce since the pandemic started, about the number of clinicians that are reporting burnout, um, and then what that means in for the, the dollars and cents. What happens if a nurse, for example, leaves the floor? What does that cost you in training, in recruitment, in non-productive, quote-unquote, time for to get a new nurse up to speed and it's you know tens of thousands of dollars a year for one uh, employee or one nurse that turns over and imagine if you have a an organization with hundreds of nurses and they're looking at like a 15 20 30 percent turnover rate you're talking hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars being spent across the country just to train new nurses to replace nurses that are getting burnt out and leaving the field altogether. So this is one of those topic areas where, again, widely applicable to healthcare in general, healthcare as a whole. Um, And it's really cool to see a company using something simple that we wouldn't even think about, like scheduling software, um, in order to help decrease some of that burnout, that turnover, help retain and engage a workforce so that we can provide the kind of care that is required in some of these high skill level areas like ICUs and critical care units and things like that. So without further ado, here's Courtney Dill talking about nursing burnout and turnover and how uh, scheduling softwares and technologies can help improve those numbers, reinvigorate uh, work the workforce, the nurses, the boots on the ground clinicians so that they can, one, have some of that work-life balance, but then again, deliver that humanized, empathetic kind of care that we expect from bedside clinicians. Well, hey, Courtney, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you, Rafi? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm looking forward to diving into the whole world of nursing and burnout and, and staff management and scheduling. Before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your professional background, and what brought you to doing what you're doing now with, with HealthStream. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I have been a nurse, a registered nurse for 19 years. So um, I've been fortunate to do a lot of different things in my career. I've done bedside nursing, nurse management. I've been a director of nursing over a um, over a multi-site service line. Um, I've been fortunate to teach at a university level for nursing students. And I got to dabble a little bit in public health um, during the pandemic, which was fun. Um, So I've really been able to kind of grow in different positions, um, particularly in leadership positions where I've gotten to be able to perpetuate kind of my love of nursing and patients and nursing excellence overall. So that's kind of what brought me to HealthStream. Um, My current role, I'm a solution executive with HealthStream for their scheduling and capacity management division. And the benefit of um, someone with my background being in a position like this is I get to advocate for nursing. I get to advocate yeah. for the patients and healthcare systems with an understanding of really how it, it works on the back end um, and appreciating that full big picture that goes into decision making when changes are implemented within an organization. Yeah, it's so important. A lot of times you get decisions getting made from the top down. And, you know, the people that are making the decisions, they've either never worked in that field, so they really don't have an idea of the impact that it has on, like, boots on the ground clinical staff, right? 
Yes. And and that's true. I mean, we see oftentimes, like in my experience, where decisions are made and they are so many layers out from the ripple yeah. um, that I think it's time, especially looking at the current climate in healthcare and staff turnover, especially with nurses, techs, ancillary services, where I think we really need to pull it back in and focus on those people who are closest to the problems to also be part of the close decision-making on how we're going to solve that problem, which is where I think we're trying to engage clinical staff and understanding to be able to provide that kind of consultancy with, with healthcare organizations. Yeah. So then let's dive into, I guess we'll dive into the, the burnout, the retention piece, and then we'll talk about some of the solutions. So I guess we hear about it a lot in the in the news, but you know people are leaving the field, especially nurses are leaving the field at a at an unprecedented rate. They're talking about you know the the ratio of nurses uh, to patients and how that's shifting for the negative. Like, mm-hmm. why are nurses in particular leaving the field at such high rates? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question, and it's something that I think is either impacting all of us now or will impact us at in some the future, point. Yeah. Yeah, so the American Hospital Association actually projected out that we lost about 100,000 nurses in the last like two to three years due to attrition for various reasons, but they left the workforce. Uh-huh. And they're estimating, I think it was around another 620,000 nurses leaving um, uh-huh. the workforce by like 2027, I believe. And so when we look at the fact that we already have this huge deficit in need for clinicians, nurses, support staff, et cetera. And then we look at the vacancy rates and the projected vacancy rates. We we are now in a position we, where we are forced to have to look at, okay, what are the causes of that turnover and how can we really help s- start solving those problems? So we really look at, you know, I kind of like to use the term peel back the layer of the onion a little bit, but it's more than just understanding that, okay, nurses are leaving and using broad scope terms like they're burnt out. It's why are they burnt out? Why are they making those decisions to leave the workforce? Um, So, you know, I was recently looking at the um, National Healthcare Retention and RN Staffing Report. And interestingly enough, of the top 10 reasons why nurses are leaving, the the field, two of those 10 were scheduling based and workload concerns. Yeah. And so when we look at two of those top 10 not being effectively managed in healthcare to the point where we're driving away staff, it's a huge red flag for everyone in healthcare right now. And so we want to be able to provide tools to be able to help um, reduce that burden for both nurses and leaders within healthcare organizations. Yeah. Well, and I think this just kind of came to my mind as we were talking about what, I guess, defining what leaving the workforce means. Are we talking Mm -hmm. like nurses that just, I'm going to go be, you know, a sales executive or a teacher or something else? Um, Does this include maybe a nurse that has left, gone from, you know, maybe a, a clinic lead or a charge nurse, and now they end up moving into hospital administration? Do they still count as having, quote unquote, left the workforce because now they're not directly dealing with patients at the bedside? Um, No, I don't think so. Because I think as we start to see that promotion type activity or that growth professionally, they're still working in a nursing capacity. I think where we're really seeing that turnover happen is through people who are retiring early. We saw that Uh a lot actually during the height of COVID. 
Um, we see folks just feeling burnout and feeling like it's not working for their work-life balance scenario. Yeah. And so they're just going to something completely different. Career I've seen changes. Yeah, just complete flip of, of career change. So even, you know, when we look at even education and flipping to like nursing education, that's still a huge contribution to healthcare and is actually also a need yeah. uh, in the current climate. Um, but it's it's really those choosing to just vacate healthcare altogether. Okay, cool deal. Um, and now you mentioned scheduling. So mm -hmm. what impact I can kind of like on the surface, you can kind of get the idea of like, okay, if someone is over scheduled, they're going to get burnt out, they're going to be ready to leave. But I'm sure the impact of scheduling is much more probably nuanced than kind of this superficial idea of we can't just schedule people too much, right? It is, you know, healthcare is a different beast than say, manufacturing or food and bev or other industries. And the expectation for healthcare workers is all the greater. Yeah. And so you have this scenario, you know, I think about like back to my bedside nursing days where you have this constant flow of up and down and ebb and flow where sometimes they're calling you like crazy to come in extra and other times they're calling you off due to low census. Um, and, you know, other industries don't quite operate that way. And that's that's a hardship for the nurses and being able to have work-life balance. And if, you know, you have small children or you have elderly parents you're trying to care for, what have you, being able to have a schedule that you can count on and that's going to work for your life is extremely important. Um, and so it's really about creating schedules for staff that are going to help their work-life balance, give them that sense of autonomy and, um, and, and just having it work overall to keep them engaged in the workforce. And that's what we're really looking for. We want to drive that retention effort and engagement with, with staff. Yeah. And how much of that is like a, maybe a leadership communication piece and how much of that is the actual boots on the ground scheduling? Like these are the hours mm -hmm. you're going to work. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, if it gets busy, like anybody can put up with with some, you know, inflexibility and in schedule here and there as maybe demand is getting higher or something like that. Maybe the census is climbing um, as long as it's communicated, maybe in a way that means like this is not going to be the, you know, the end. We're not going to be at this level forever. You know, like what can leaders do to help kind of reduce just the stress of kind mm -hmm. of a, a schedule that's not very maybe it's in this season. It's not helping a, a particular staff member with their work life balance. Um, like what is the role of leadership and how can they help reduce some of that burnout, that stress and, and decrease the turnover rate specifically in the, in the nursing side of things? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, and truthfully from the leadership standpoint too, it's, it's just a stressful, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're having been there as well, like you're responsible for the 24 seven operations of your unit and making sure that you have that staffing is just as stressful as being the one on the other side, being asked um, to accommodate those scheduling needs. And so I think um, from a leadership standpoint and looking at even like up to C-suite, it's really giving those leaders the tools that they need to effectively build schedules and a process to build schedules that that's going to work for both the end user or, you know, the, the staff member, as well as the leaders to make sure that you have that beautiful mix of, I have enough staffing for my unit that I'm, that's projected out. Um, to be needed. And I, as the staff member, have indicated, here's when I'm best available to be able to meet those departmental needs. And so when you're able to have a system like Shift Wizard that can kind of pull those things together, it 
it creates this um, it's creates this nice opportunity for visibility and autonomy and scheduling and and we like to push that even a little bit further. And I, I think a lot of organizations are really moving towards self-scheduling. Yeah. Um, but I think as we as we look to give um, healthcare leaders tools to be successful in today's climate, um, I think self-scheduling is going to continue to become more popular um, in, in different departmental needs because it does offer that opportunity for both um autonomy and scheduling for work-life balance for the employee and for those leaders who are trying to ensure the correct staffing levels for their organization. So I think it's really comes to a commitment from the organization um, to empower their leaders and their staff with the correct tools. And that's where I think Shift Wizard can help. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think this is probably different than, well, maybe not. I'm, I come from the outpatient therapy world. So it's like most people, their tour is, you know, nine to five, you know, the patients are coming in at maybe eight, nine in the morning, and they're, they're out of the clinic by, you know, four thirty five o'clock with nurses, though, they're on a lot of times 12 hour shifts, right? I've got a friend who does right. uh, nursing, she's on 24 hour shifts, because she does helicopter stuff. So it's like, there's, there's a different uh, dynamic there when you're talking about longer shifts, right? And even what, right. I guess, what is legal for them for, for a nurse to work back to back, right? So, um, I guess talk about that a little bit and then how maybe something like Shift Wizard helps distribute that or help, <laughs> helps alleviate yeah. some of the stress running those uh, those different types of schedules. Because I think most most professionals that are in the nine to five don't really have an understanding of, okay, this like this profession or this clinical group right here needs to be working 24-7. There always needs to be right. a nurse, <laughs> nurse right there, right? Yeah, so using technology, you can... Um you can further project those things out to make sure that you have appropriateness across the board for what you're looking at. Um, I, you know, the different shift types are kind of important. You have to have a system and a tool in place that's going to provide the flexibility needed. So, um, you know, other competitors we see try to jam a, a square peg in a round hole, if you will, relative to scheduling. They're just not built with that flexibility. So, um, you know, we do see different various shift types. We see staggered shifts in healthcare organizations, especially in like your periop areas and your EDs. Um, you see 12-hour shifts are very common. And I'm I'm almost wondering if we might see the pendulum swing back the other way relative to 12-hour shifts. So moving um, away got, from that? I, you know, I wonder if it'll start to happen. I, I have talked to some healthcare organizations that are really starting to look at more flexible shift types uh -huh. to be able to better accommodate that work-life balance because not everybody can accommodate a 12-hour shift type. Um, and so just offering different options or different scheduling blocks could be one way to help solve the problem. Um, but you have to have the tools in place to be able to manage that and effectively ensure correct staffing. So, you know, looking at healthcare, we look at 12-hour shifts or eight or 10-hour shifts. And oftentimes my experience is that what is on the schedule sometimes doesn't always translate to actual worked hours. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're busy or you're in a case and it's going over, then it kind of stretches you out a little bit. If there's not the relief you need because there wasn't appropriate projection of what the intent, you know, the census was going to be at your, when your shift ended and now you've got to stay or they ask you to stay. So it's really having the tools in place to help support that. So something like um, predicted census, for example, we 
Um, we have some really cool technology right now where you can apply machine learning and actually forecast your census out 12, uh, 12 weeks. And then as you get closer to those schedules, it, it starts to correct the modeling and get sharper and sharper to where you can actually see as a leader, you can say, hey, our projected census is going to be this. We need to make some last minute corrections. And I think to your point earlier, um, when you're living in a season where you have an influx, you're right. I think staff are generally more accommodating to be able to help support that. And they will go out of their way and bend over backwards time and time again to help. But when your season becomes perpetuated yeah. to just the new norm, and I think that's where nursing is right now, um, that's where it starts to become burnout. And that's where we start to see then this ripple effect of nurses are burnt out. They just don't have it in them anymore to pick up those extra shifts. And the ripple effect of not having enough nurses is huge for an organization. You start to get into quality care issues and patient engagement, staff engagement issues. You start to look at the cost. You know, um, when you have nurses burnt out, that drives to turnover. And the cost of turnover is absolutely astronomical for organizations right now. So like on average, just to give you an idea, the cost of a single bedside RN turnover costs an organization on average about $52,000. And so you look at- And that's at, in what? Missed revenue or like recruiting, training a new staff member, all of that? All of that. And so you look at the so, you know, somebody quits and then that creates open shifts that need to be filled. How are we going to fill those shifts? It's typically going to be premium labor spend uh -huh. via paying incentives like yeah. um, or travel nurses, which that cost is huge, not only financially, but it's also huge in the um, it can be huge in the morale of the staff. If, you know, um, you have some nurses getting paid sometimes triple what or you know quadruple what other nurses on the floor are making and so there becomes that that dissatisfier for staff nurses there as well um and then you look at the cost the the non-productive cost of training someone in orientation and the time it takes especially if you're talking about a specialty field it can be 6 months of training um, and so, you know, all of those things become so impactful for organizations that it gets to this point where it's this giant problem now, and we have to figure out a way to help alleviate not only that financial burden in the cost of the turnover, but the impact of the morale when you get into kind of that vicious cycle of turnover yeah. within an organization. Yeah. So what are the, I guess, specifically from the like the scheduling side of things, mm -hmm. you've got the the algorithm learning that's kind of forecasting. Um, maybe you've implemented some self-scheduling or more flexible scheduling. What else can be done to, to kind of, one, boost morale a little bit, decrease right. some of the burnover? Yeah. So a couple of things on that, really. Um, we have an additional tool that can be a part of your scheduling and your staffing for shift to shift called our acuity and assignment manager module. And that, that kind of feeds into that. Remember, we talked about the two of the reasons why people are, are leaving two of the top 10 were, um, were, um, workload or, and schedule. Workload. Yep. Um, and schedule. And so when we look at workload, 
when you look at the acuity of how sick your patients are, oh yeah, um, it, it you know that's a huge component of it. So ratios are great, and it's great that we're starting to see the legislation go towards having something in place for safe staffing ratios. But that is just a piece of the puzzle. It's not really looking at the whole picture. So, for example, if a particular legislation comes out that says that um, it's one to five or one to four. So for every nurse, I can take up to four to five patients. Um, what it doesn't account for is how sick those patients are yeah, and how involved, sick those how patients meds, are. Yes, yeah, the that, involved. <laughs> yep. And that then produces workload. And so if I have, um, just as an example, if I have five patients who are less acute in the care that they need on the floor, and those are assigned to a nurse versus I've got some that are more acute, they might both have the same ratio, but their workload and the demand on them as an individual is not equal, equal, equally assigned across the board. So looking at those fair and equitable staffing processes not only can drive staff satisfaction, but it can also drive an improvement in your patient outcomes. Because for every time you have a nurse feeling burnt out, and the reason why they're burnt out, you have a patient who needs a nurse who's not burnt out, right? Yeah. And so um, we have to figure out how we can get this under control now, because acuity and acuity assignments and um, turnover it is all impacting patients today, but it's also going to impact patients of tomorrow because we're if we don't get it under control now with that workload balance, um, it's going to drive more uh, more nurses away from the bedside. And we've already seen where um, nurses, even within their first year, the turnover is about a third. So a third of new Always RNs sucks, coming yeah. into the um, into the workforce. Um, have left within the first year. And so, you know, even looking at that, you look at the workload, was it more than they anticipated? Was it, they've just, hey, you're new, we need you to jump in and boom, you give them a work assignment. There are ways where you can use these tools to really support a strategic engagement of new nurses as well to make sure that we're not burning them out and pushing them out the door effectively. So um, it's it's really looking at the whole picture of the impact within not only scheduling of the nurses, but then once they're there and you have them on the units, how are we making sure that their staffing is fair and equitable across the board? Yeah. Well, and I'm sure some of that is going to is going to vary a little bit. Like if somebody that goes into an ICU floor, for example, probably has an understanding that they're going to be um, dealing with patients that are sicker than maybe a, a, like an outpatient ortho floor or something like that, where there's just a knee replacements coming in. They're going to be gone right. in a couple of days. Um, is there a I guess does the does it benchmark that according to the the type of patient population or something like that, or maybe you should do the the ratio shift based off of the acuity of the patients. You know, like maybe four to one is fine on an ortho or med surge floor, but maybe it needs to be like three or two to one in an ICU. And so that's where the general nursing ratios are are heading. So it's looking at specialty types and assigning general 
ratio acceptance. So like a med surge floor versus an ICU, yeah. you would obviously have um, a, a smaller nurse to patient ratio in an ICU. But even within like a med surge floor or an ICU, there are various levels of acuity within those patients that would drive that workload. And so if you're talking about someone who's on a lot of meds versus somebody who is intubated, has lots of drips in traction, I mean, there can be you know, severe, severely ill patients that you're caring for that can be so time consuming that you may need them to be a one-on-one based on how acute they are. And one of the ways we help address that is we actually work with organizations within the acuity and assignment manager module. We can actually map um, their assessed acuity based on the clinical documentation. And we can aggregate that to give a quantifier to how much of a workload that patient is. Yeah. And so and that, how much is that, is that like an hours thing, or is it like this many documents the nurse is going to have to do, or is it a combination? Um, it's based on the actual clinical documentation of okay. the assessment of the patient that would trigger then this calculation that happens behind the scenes, it, it's pretty remarkable how it happens. And then it can populate in there to for the staff and the nurses to use um, to make those assignments so that you can make sure then again, that everything is as spread out as fairly as possible. Um, and it, it and again, that's great for staff and it's great for patients because it means they're going to have more present staff yeah. with them based on what's on the unit. Yeah. Now, how much of this, we've talked a little bit about the back end and it, the scheduling and what it gives leadership. How much of this is opening up transparency? Because you mentioned this at the beginning between um, maybe the leadership and the the floor nurses themselves. Can they pull up the schedule and say, okay, like I've been assigned patients with this acuity level. And I can also see that, you know, Rafi down the hall does not or something like that. Like, is there, exactly. is there <laughs> they can kind of yes. see where things are going. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's the beauty of it is it does provide that level of transparency where if you're feeling like, oh my goodness, am I the only one who's running around? You know, am I the only one who's working really hard? You can, you can clearly see that um, it, it was fairly and equitably assigned based on those patients. And so um, I think it does provide that sense of fairness across the board for staff when that happens. And then the same thing would apply to scheduling, you know, we're, I think transparency is huge in any organization, but specifically healthcare, Um, being able to see, you know, what your schedule is, making sure that how your schedule is procured is fair. That's, I I was sharing with a colleague the other day that the number one reason why um, my staff would come to me through the chain of command up from their manager um, to me was scheduling related. So it was, I don't feel like I'm being scheduled fairly, or I shouldn't have to work more holidays or weekends than somebody else. And I've been asked to do that. Or um, I put in for PTO and somebody else got PTO granted over me. And so one of the things that um, Shift Wizard can do is it it's actually all trackable Um, any audits or changes are completely um, auditable and you can see that transparency. We even set up like groups um, where organizations can help with the fairness and scheduling practices by establishing groups that can either be based on merit or um, based on their, you know, their their longevity with the organization, or even on a rotating basis to make sure that it's fair all the way around where maybe group A can sign up first and then group B gets to go second, et cetera. 
and those can rotate so that it's always fair and it doesn't always feel like it's the yeah. the new person getting the worst schedule or or something like that. So it's it's really keeping that perception of fairness in mind. Um, but I think too, like with this with this new generation of nursing in particular, having technology is an expectation. And you know, my even my own children, they're growing up in a world where they're taking tech classes in kindergarten and first grade, right? So um, technology for our current generations and the future generations, technology is expected. Yeah. And so even having access to technology to be able to see that transparency, um, but also things like being able to see their their schedule on an app, no matter where they're at, they can sign up for their hours or they can make shift swaps, for example. Um, having access to things that are going to impact their own work-life balance on the fly is really important. And it's important for making sure that they have that engagement and they don't, we don't want nurses and healthcare um, staff to feel that their job is a burden. We want to make it work for their life, their work-life balance so that they will come refreshed and engaged in what they're doing, which ultimately is going to impact patients, which is what we all care about um, in healthcare. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, Courtney, thanks so much for taking the time to to share with us about burnout and scheduling. For people that want to learn more, um, they want to check out um, HealthStream, or maybe they want to speak with you or or pick your brain about stuff like that. um, Where can they go to find you, to find HealthStream, to learn more about... uh, the the software that y'all provide? Yes. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Courtney Dill, um, or you can visit our, we have two websites where you can find us. You can go to healthstream.com and look at scheduling solutions, or you could go directly to shiftwizard.com and learn everything about our solution, how we integrate. Um, We have some wonderful case studies and customer highlights that can kind of help you to resonate with how they've been able to achieve outcomes and results with the technology. Um, so one of those means, and there's also a form on those where you can connect, um, write in, plug in your information, and it'll get you in touch with uh, a solution executive who can help walk you through like what your goals are and how we might, might be able to help. Awesome. Cool deal. Well, Courtney, thanks so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Courtney Dill talking about using technology and software platforms, et cetera, to engage a workforce of clinicians, boots on the ground clinicians to decrease turnover, increase hopefully empathetic and humanized healthcare. I think one of the big things, listening back now to this conversation again as we go through the editing process, I think one of the things that struck me the most is not so much the use of technology, because I think, as Courtney said, it's one of those things that now, especially with clinicians that are coming into the into the workforce now, it's kind of expected. It's one of those baseline things. So the idea that you're just going to implement a technological tool or a software and all of your problems are going to go away is just mistaken. <laughs> I think when it comes down to it, some of the, the principles of solid and effective leadership don't really change right? The whole giving uh, the team members a voice in the decision-making, giving them a little, a sense of uh, autonomy or control over their work, enforcing or re 
iterating the mission, the vision, the purpose, the higher value that their work ultimately provides to the end recipient of that care in healthcare's uh, example, um, that it's the patient receiving this care and that, you know, the as thinking back to the conversation with uh, Larry Benz way, way early on in the, in the podcast, he wrote the book called called to care. And the, the idea being that healthcare is a noble profession. It is a vocation or a calling if you would. And sometimes in the drudgery of doing the healthcare of doing the documentation, managing your schedule, figuring out what work life is going to be, it's very easy for clinicians to lose sight of that. And that piece doesn't go away with a tech tool or a piece of software. It really does come from the the leadership of the organization establishing solid leadership principles. And yes, the technology, the software enables those organizations to live out their values, if you would, or to make a demonstrable show of how they care for their employees and the the team but the solution itself is not the fix it like the the solution isn't solving the problem it's just enabling the leadership team to kind of put their money where their mouth is if you um so choose to use that analogy and um it allows the leadership team to give those care teams those boots on the ground clinicians more autonomy. It gives them the transparency. It helps them achieve that work-life balance, decrease some of that turnover, improve engagement. But it's because the leadership team and the leadership of the organization cares so much about their employees that they do this. Not so much that they <laughs> they wanted to stop the dollars and cents bleeding, so they, they implemented this tool and called it a day. The technology, I mentioned this in the book, uh, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare. But technology implemented into healthcare simply for technology's sake or for efficiency's sake very rarely have has the desired outcomes that we would expect or we would want because it's the not the attitude that sounds i don't know maybe um not scientific enough but the the motivation or the KPIs even what the 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 guiding principles of why why that uh technology is being implemented in the clinical space that makes all the difference, right? Because what you value is what you measure, what you measure is what you value and what you get more of, right? And if the entire thing is is driven by efficiency and dollars and cents savings, you will probably get some dollars and cents savings, you'll probably get some efficiency, but it will be at the expense of sometimes empathetic humanizing care, right? So that's just one of the thoughts that came through my mind as I was listening to this conversation again was that, yeah, these technologies and these tools and these softwares are awesome, they're great, but they don't get us across the the touchdown line by themselves. They enable you to get there. Um, they enable a leadership team to, like I said, live out those principles or to put those principles into action, those leadership principles into action. Um, and they just make it easier for that to take place. You know, something as simple as being able to punch in and out or, you know, arrange your schedule a month out or something like that, giving the the nurses the ability to do that helps decrease the, the turnover. It gives those clinicians a sense of autonomy over their work schedule, but it's really flowing from 
this principle that we're going to take care of our 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 care team members and they're going to take care of the patients right so anyways i'm going to stop now before i keep on rambling uh if you like the show head on over to itunes leave us a rating and review it helps people find the show um if you want to subscribe and get notified whenever we drop a new episode um, you can do that at betteroutcomes.show, so betteroutcomes.show, or you can go to rehabupracticesolutions.com. Under the Insights tab, click uh, Podcast, and then there's places for you to sign up there. And if you are a healthcare organization and you are looking for a way to create a strong and unique value proposition, if you want to develop effective marketing strategies, uh, for your organization, or maybe even improve or increase patient or user engagement, um, reach out and see uh, see wh- how we can help you. I'd love to have a conversation. You can do that at either um, strategy.rehabupracticesolutions.com. That's the market penetration roadmap where we work with healthcare technology companies and innovative healthcare solutions uh, for exactly that, market penetration. Um, or you can go to consulting.rehabupracticesolutions.com, consulting.rehabupracticesolutions.com, and that covers more of our um, healthcare consulting engagements and what we do in that area. So until the next time, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.